Thanks for listening to The Red Treehouse, where I tell scary stories to keep you up at night. You can listen to The Red Treehouse on your favorite streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Oh, and leave us a five-star review. You can follow The Red Treehouse on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, X, Thread, and Facebook at Red Treehouse Pod. And now, you can find The Red Treehouse on Patreon. Join The Red Treehouse community for as little as $3 per month and receive exclusive member benefits, including personal shoutouts, early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and more. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash Red Treehouse. And as always, if you have a scary story or topic you'd like me to feature on an upcoming episode, email redtreehousepod at gmail.com. Important note, sources for this episode can be found in the show notes. The Red Treehouse is dedicated to my dad. I love you, Pop. Let's start with a question. What would you do if you found out you had a stalker? One who'd been at work for years and whose sole purpose was to destroy your life. Using an aggressive form of psychological and emotional warfare, this stalker is both elusive and evil. It is relentless in its hostility, can read your mind, and communicates with you telepathically. Oh, and though it stands about six feet tall, it's not exactly human. And, if you're unlucky enough to see it, it's already too late. You've fallen victim to the rake. As with all urban legends and cryptids, the story of the rake has an origin point. But, as with all urban legends and cryptids, there are a variety of theories and beliefs. And though for some, the history of the rake is up for debate, some say encounters go back centuries, while others believe it is a more recent myth. What isn't debated is how scary the rake actually is. A special shout out to my son Jonathan for the episode suggestion. For weeks, he's been telling me about this. In this episode of The Red Tree House, we're going to explore a legitimately terrifying cryptid, the rake. What is it? How does it attack its victims? And is there any chance of escape if you were to ever come face to face with this vile creature? I'll share the details. You decide for yourself. I'm your host, Will. Welcome to the Red Tree House.
In 2005, an anonymous user posted a thread on 4chan introducing a series of monsters. One of those was the rake. Originally introduced as a creepypasta, the rake makes appearances in different urban legends and throughout folklore, which contributes to the creature's legend. And the rake's appearance also is the stuff of nightmares. One article stated, quote, The rake is a creature said to be about six feet tall, with pale, smooth, hairless skin, and long, sharp claws. Individual eyewitness accounts describe it as having a humanoid shape, with a hunched back, dagger-like teeth, and glowing eyes. Some versions of the legend also suggest the rake can shapeshift. End quote. Some reports describe the rake as a skinwalker, which we will cover in an upcoming episode of The Red Treehouse. But almost without deviation, the rake is a creature to stay away from, if at all possible. What makes the rake so scary, at least in part, is its versatility. It's not limited to just land, sea, or air. It doesn't just show up in your dreams. You can't quite avoid it by staying out of the woods, or out of the dark. In some ways, the rake is the ideal boogeyman. It can show up anywhere, attack anyone, at any time. Because the rake can fit into different scenarios, stories of its appearing have, quote, spread throughout the world, with people from all walks of life and different countries sharing their own personal experiences about the creature, end quote. According to legend, the first sightings of the rake go back to the 1690s. Then, it reappears in the 1800s, with notes and journals describing the creature as, quote, having hollow black eyes and being terrifying in nature, end quote. Eyewitnesses reported having difficulty sleeping and living in constant fear and panic because of the creature. One letter, dated in 1880 and translated from Spanish, reads, quote, I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand, I will not sleep. End quote. In 1964, a note was discovered in which the author detailed living in, quote, constant fear and paranoia. End quote. The author of the note is unknown but he died by suicide due to constant stalking and attacks by the rake. The full note reads, quote, As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form. Once again, I awoke 
and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awake to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. End quote. The note was placed in a small wooden box alongside two envelopes addressed to William and Rose. And a short personal letter which stated, quote, Dearest Lenny, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. End quote. In 2003, in rural New York State, eyewitnesses claimed encounters with an unknown creature. There are two details that are especially fascinating. First was the emotional response of the eyewitnesses, as they ranged from abject terror to an almost childlike curiosity. The second detail is that almost overnight, all published records of the incident were scrubbed from the internet and public forums. It's almost as if someone didn't want their stories out there. Perhaps the most terrifying encounter with the rake took place in 2006. I'll read the full account, which can be found on the Creepypasta wiki. Quote, Three years ago, I had just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the bathroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologized and told him I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly, his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man, or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, and occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed, and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds or probably closer to five. It just seemed like a while. It was just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on its knee and ran into the hallway, the one leading to the kids' rooms. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, 
The light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter, Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, he is the rake. My husband drove his car into a lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. They did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now referred to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believe to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages. Then, it never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night, every night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. And I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason, the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know, and I fear that one night I'll wake up to see him staring at me." End quote. The rake is said to stalk its victims over a long period of time. 
in some cases, years. The creature shows up, disappears, shows up, and disappears, creating a sense of unease and fear that it will show up when you least expect it. Then, there's the psychological attacks. One article stated, quote, It is reported to stalk people for years, learning all it can about them, and even threatening them with information on their family, friends, and personal lives. It is fiercely territorial, and though it only usually attacks when provoked, it has attacked, out of malice, many times. End quote. It seems that when the rake is done having fun and waging psychological warfare on its victim, it attacks, kills, and eats its prey. And here's what's scary. Sightings and encounters have continued in recent years. Reddit user The Nervous Gamer posted, quote, I gotta be honest. Ever since telling these stories, I'm super on edge. It took me an hour of just sitting in bed to fall asleep last night. I was just so ready to see the damn thing, even though I know it's a physical entity, so there's no way it could be in my house. Anyway, here we go. My most recent experience was quite short. It was fall. Near Halloween or just past, I can't remember honestly. We were older. It was Jay, his girlfriend, and her sister. Jay and I were 18 at the time, and we were having a bonfire, drinking and such out in the backyard. It was a normal night until we started talking about it. Honestly, we were trying to spook the girls a little bit. I was a little drunk. Not much but enough to not be thinking completely straight. I started yelling and taunting it, screaming things like, Come on, what are you, a scared fucker? We never saw it that night, but that was the second time we heard it. A screech, a horrifying sound. Somehow, I remember staying out there long after that. But that's it. The first time we saw it, there wasn't much we could make out, as there were a good amount of bushes and brush blocking it. What we could make out was a rather bulbous head leading down to a scrawny body. We could see that the arms were rather skinny, but not much else. I'm not sure if it was slightly hunched or not, but it did seem to be shorter than the second and third encounter. I estimate that it was about seven feet tall. In the second encounter, I got a much better look at it with the lights on the porch being on. It had a short body, a set of long, skinny, but muscular legs. The toes were almost like what a T-Rex would look like, but with an extra rear toe, like a chicken or hawk. The claws on its toes weren't huge, but they could definitely do some damage. It ran lightly almost like it could float against gravity. I think that's why I never saw footprints. But then again, I was always too scared to ever look. 
I always hoped it was fake. But I know it isn't. Now we'll move up to the main body. I could see its ribs and its spine. It seemed to have the same bone structure as a human. The arms had a huge wingspan. I'd say nearly 16 feet from hand to hand. And that's not claw to claw. Each claw was about a foot long on three distinct fingers other than its thumb, which was about six inches long. Its arms were skinny, but again, you could tell they were muscular and strong. This explains most of its fast movement. It ran with enough speed that I barely understood how it moved. When it ran, it used its hands and feet, like a monkey would be the best way to explain it. It would use its arms to balance and its feet to push itself. However, when it saw me, it got on its feet and ran. Like fucking sprinted and was gone so fast. That's when it just hung outside of my window. I had a nightmare last night and woke up several times. Now I'm at work and I can't stop thinking about it after retelling these stories. I'm fucking terrified. But I'll keep you guys updated if I ever see it again. End quote. Our next encounter comes from Reddit user 10 Minute Horror. Quote, I've always refrained from telling the story because I know how it sounds. I know people think it's a myth. Since I've been meeting more and more people like me, who have experienced the same thing, I've decided to talk about my encounter with the rake. I was in my 20s when it happened. My girlfriend Laura and I wanted to get out of town after midterm. We found a great cottage in Hood River County. Somehow my sister Allie and her boyfriend Tyler slithered their way into our plans, and my weekend alone with Laura was hijacked. What made it feel ruined was I'd been planning to propose to Laura that weekend. But with Allie and Tyler there, it kinda cut the heart out of the vision I had planned, and I decided to hold off. Allie was nice enough, but I never really got along with Tyler. He was a football player who took too many drugs and was always in everyone's face. The cabin was deep in the woods, and I thought we were lost a few times on the drive up. We arrived at dusk and made dinner right away. Allie and Tyler started to drink and slowly hooked Laura and I into joining. By 10 p.m., we were all hammered. I was bonding with Tyler and even let him talk me into smoking weed with him outside, which was a bad idea. Weed and me do not mix well. Tyler kept talking about wanting to go on a nature hike. He'd taken a few grams of shrooms and said he wanted to talk to the stars. The weed was messing with my head and my stomach, as it always did, and I ended up going inside and laying down on the couch. I heard Laura and Allie join Tyler outside. Their voices slowly drifted away. I couldn't tell if that was because I was falling asleep or if the three were no longer on the porch. Eventually, 
I did fall asleep. I had strange dreams. They were all about the cottage and the four of us and the darkness that was encroaching from the woods. Parts of my childhood began to fill the cabin. Old bikes, posters of cartoons and TV shows. I saw full outfits from my childhood walking through the room without anyone in them. It was just the clothes moving freely, but in the way a person would. Then, an eerie sound took over my dreams. It was coming from outside, and it was getting closer. The front door of the cottage opened, and a deep red light poured in. The eerie sound became clearer, and something small shuffled through the door. It was my old dog, Baxter. He walked right up to me and sat down, staring upward. Then a strange sound came out of his mouth. It sounded like he was trying to laugh, but couldn't. I wanted to help him at first, but Baxter started changing. His hair began to fall out. Then, his limbs elongated, stretching to lengths longer than my own. His skin was pale, and his face looked smooth, like it didn't have a mouth. But it did. Because when it finished changing and laid its eyes back on me, a slit opened up on its face that revealed jagged teeth from a previously hidden jaw that unhinged and opened up. Its eyes held mine like I was being hypnotized, reflecting back in a strange, cat-like way. The creature's long arms reached for me as its mouth opened up. The laughing sound grew louder and pumped out of the creature's throat. That's when I woke up. I was still on the couch. The room was dark and I seemed to be alone. Only that strange, attempted laugh was still going on. It carried over from my dream and continued. My eyes tracked through the room trying to find the origin of the sound. I wish they hadn't. In the back corner, something was crouched down, staring back at me. I could see the same cat-like reflection in its eyes, the same as in my dream. Slowly, my vision adapted to the darkness, and I saw the creature that Baxter turned into. The creature that many others have referred to as the rake. It received the moniker from its description given by the few survivors who encountered it and lived to talk about it. Its appearance was described as hairless and human-like, with long limbs and a mouth and teeth resembling that of a rusty rake. The rake was sitting cross-legged on the floor, making that disturbing, almost laughing sound. It reminded me of a child who was trying to play with an advanced toy. Then I noticed what the rake was holding. A bloody football. Tyler's. The rake was rubbing it between his hands, tossing it in the air and catching it and playing with it like a child would. It was strange and terrifying to watch such a frightening creature with a toddler-like demeanor. Then the rake put the football on the ground and rolled it towards me. It wobbled its way across the floor before coming to a stop 
at the foot of the couch. I couldn't move. I was frozen stiff. The rake looked like it was waiting for me and grew increasingly annoyed that I wasn't playing. It stood up and walked to me. It lowered its frightening claw down and I thought it was going to wrap around my face. But it picked up the football instead. The rake shuffled back to the corner and sat back down in its original place. It laid the football on the ground again and rolled it over to me. The bloody football sat in front of me and I still didn't want to move. Then, a growl came from the rake. I didn't want to upset it any further so I reached down, picked up the football, and rolled it back to the creature. The rake bounced on the spot excitedly. Its attempted laughter got heavier, more strained, and forced. The rake picked up the ball joyously and rolled it back. I went to grab the ball again and saw my hand, which was covered in the blood from the football, also had strands of long blonde hair in it, just like Laura's. I tensed my stomach so I didn't throw up right there. I didn't know what happened to the others, but it was clear they'd made violent contact with this thing, and that at least one of them was badly injured. I had to get away. Seeing that the creature was enjoying the passing back and forth, I decided that my next throw would bounce around the corner and into the kitchen. If the creature followed it, I'd have a few seconds to run down the hall and put a door between me and that thing. The rake rolled the football back. I picked up the bloody ball and threw it underhand to the left, sending it right through the kitchen doorway and bouncing around inside. The rake took off and quickly followed the ball into the kitchen. I shot up off the couch and ran down the hallway towards my bedroom. Then I heard footsteps behind me and saw the rake was chasing after me, gaining quickly. I turned into the first room I could, which was the bathroom. It was also one of the sturdier doors in the cottage and had a lock on it. It had a mirror hanging from the back of the door. When I closed it, the rake punched its way through, sending shards of mirror all over the bathroom. I grabbed the two largest pieces I could find and started swinging downward at the rake. I felt the sharp glass cutting into my palms and fingers as I gripped and stabbed. With each connection, the cuts on my hand grew deeper, but so did the cuts on the rake. And because of how it was partly stuck in the splinter door, it had difficulty defending itself. It caught me several times with its claws, causing some heavy bleeding, but I managed to drive it back. The rake pulled itself out of the broken door and ran back through the cottage. I heard the front door break off its hinges as the creature disappeared into the night. I stayed in the bathroom until morning, waiting for the creature to show back up. But it never did. The police did, though. I called them and explained that I'd been attacked by something and that my friends were still missing. A few hours later, Laura, Allie, and Tyler's bodies were discovered 
parts of them were. It was clear they'd been attacked and partially eaten by some kind of animal. But the investigators couldn't tell what kind of animal it was. They kept saying maybe it was a bear. Or maybe it was a wolf or two. Maybe this. Maybe that. I tried to convince myself for years that that's what happened. That some kind of animal had killed Laura, Allie, and Tyler. And I'd just been messed up from the weed and been half-dreaming everything else. I had friends, family, investigators, and even doctors convincing me that there was a logical explanation that didn't involve some urban legend about a humanoid that lived in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. The same hairless, human-like entity. That conspiracy theorist claimed haunted the woods where Laura and the others were killed sometimes acting like a playful child, other times acting like a rabid, carnivorous beast. The rake was said to have a strange telepathic effect and could even influence dreams. It was also said to leave very few survivors. The survivors that are still alive today I've met. We share near identical stories. But that can only take you so far after all the therapy and reprogramming. The thing that made me come around to believing that the rake is real, and what I experienced that night actually happened, is that last year, I saw the crime scene photos from the cabin. Among them were photos from the living room where I'd been sleeping and woken up to the creature. In the photos, it was clear that there were two lines of blood smears on the ground. One was from me rolling the football to the far corner of the room and the other trail was from something rolling it back to me." End quote. I'll admit, I find the rake fascinating, in part because it's terrifying, but also because the phenomenon is confusing. The more I read and researched, the more I thought to myself, how can people have encounters with the rake if it's a fictional character? It doesn't make sense that a creature whose point of origin was 4chan is being spotted all over the world. I've said it in previous episodes. That's what makes urban legends, cryptids, and the paranormal so much fun. There is simply the possibility that it could be true. If for no other reason, then it can't be definitively disproven. And truly, I love the idea of sitting around a campfire on a cold, dark night, telling stories of a chance encounter with the rake. In those moments, it doesn't matter if the creature is real or not, because the chills going up and down our spine, the feeling of being watched, and the quick run up the stairs are all real. As we close this episode of The Red Treehouse, we're left with this lingering question. What would you do if you ever came face to face with the rake? I've shared the details. Now you decide for yourself. I'm your host, Will. Thanks for joining me in the Red Treehouse.